Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good morning to you. And it's already starting to feel uh, a kind of a muggy kind of a day. I think that's what we have uh, in store. And as I was talking about yesterday, today is kind of the end of the really nice uh, weather. We're looking at rain arriving from tomorrow with some of the rain expected to be quite heavy. And there's rain again on uh, into Thursday, into Wednesday and uh, Thursday. So, uh, yeah, uh, the there's certainly that this gorgeous, gorgeous weather that we've been experiencing at, at the moment uh, is uh, turning. Uh, Bernie's taking your calls at 1850 And while we're on the topic of weather, there's a lovely text in from somebody saying, Hi, Patricia, hope you're enjoying the fine weather. I am indeed. And the text reads, I was on the Long Strand in West Cork on Sunday, which was packed. Never seen it so busy, says this texter, with people enjoying themselves. Following on, though, from your item yesterday about people urinating in public, there are no toilets in the Long Strand to cater for the public. Men, women and children on a day out at the beach have no choice only to use the sand dunes or to go in the woods nearby. There's been a huge investment put into creating a footpath on the road in that area but sadly no investment in toilets. The worst of it is that there used to be public toilets there but the council decommissioned them and put the building to some alternative use. Can you look into it please? And I will, I'll make a note of it and we'll see the next time we have a councillor on from the West Cork area. If any of the West Cork councillors are listening, if anybody can fill us in as to why. Now, a lot of the toilets, those public toilets were decommissioned because of antisocial behaviour and people were absolutely destroying some of those toilets and they were very expensive for the council to maintain. But when, well, you're saying you were in Longstrand on Sunday, I as I mentioned yesterday, I spent the weekend in Court McSherry and I actually commented on the fact that they have public toilets on the main street in Court McSherry. There's a men's, there's a ladies and there is a disabled uh, toilet. Now, I wasn't in them myself, but I was asking some of the locals, say, God, you've because the building looks, they look lovely, doors, it looks all well painted, very clean looking. I'm saying those, uh, those toilets operated well and have you any problems with them? Because we constantly hear from other areas that public toilets can be a disgrace and that nobody will use them. And that's one of the reasons the council decided to close them down because they were 
there was antisocial behaviour going on and people just for whatever reason deciding to absolutely destroy them but seemingly in Cork Mac toilets are very well maintained and they are used because I was at a barbecue and we were sitting outside having having the barbecue and you could see people in and out in and out of the toilets so if they're being used a lot you know that they're okay people weren't coming out with a disgusted look on their face so they're well maintained so there are some really excellent council operated toilets but why can't we have them in more areas and especially place like Longstrand in the summer months where there's going to be a lot of people down and those, you know, the people going there have no choice but to either use the sand dunes or to go into the nearby woods. And actually it came up yesterday on the programme. It was Louise, one of our listeners, was, was given out because it was a bin man in her area came into her housing estate a couple of weeks ago. She was back in her car into the driveway so she was in full view of the bin truck which was in the estate and she saw the driver hop out of the truck and just urinate against the wheel of the truck and you know broad daylight and she she complained you know, she didn't just ring us here at the radio station she complained and we got a mixed reaction of uh, actually to what Louise was saying uh, yesterday Michael in Castletown Roach for example contacted us and he said he used to be a bin man and he said you do get caught out on occasion you try to go to the toilet on your breaks but there are times when you get caught out and he felt that Louise was blowing it out of all proportion while other people thought she was dead right. Somebody went so far as to say she should have taken a photograph and somebody else said she should have called the Gardaí that it is indecent exposure and you're not allowed to urinate on the street. But then our listeners saying, what do you do in a case like that if you're spending a day at the beach and there are no uh, toilets? If we're saying, it, you know, it's a decent exposure if you're if you're going to go into the toilet or you're not allowed to urinate in the public, what happens when you're on a day out like that at the beach? Do the council have some kind of a responsibility to make sure that there are adequate uh, toilets? 1850 So your views on public lose the good, the bad and the ugly and do we simply not have enough of them and do the council need to invest in them and please don't go down the route of saying put in uh, super loose because we know how costly they are. They certainly are an answer to keeping a clean toilet in an area but they cost so much money and the council really don't have the funds to be providing super loose all over the place that is for sure. Now coming up on the programme this morning we are going to be discussing antisocial behaviour and this was to do with some texts we got in yesterday from listeners in the Fromoy area and in particular a very lengthy text in from a listener in a particular uh, estate in Fromoy. So we're going to, I'll read out the text because it's quite lengthy and quite detailed of what's going on and not just going on say one night a week. This seems to be quite a regular occurrence and seems to be getting worse now that we're into the summer season. It's been described as teenagers. I touched on it yesterday when I made the point, is this just down to the summer holidays and is it just young people being young people and do we just, you know, we were all young once, we all hung out under the street lamp and sure, what harm did we do to en- to anyone is, is, you know, is it just the case you just have to put up with it it's just what happens in the summer months or is it simply wrong and does, does it need to be dealt with is there parental responsibility do parents need to know at all times where their young people are what their young people are getting up to can the Gardaí do more can the council uh, do more so we welcome your thoughts and comments as I say we're specifically talking today about an estate in Fromoy but I'm sure 
I'm sure it's not, this issue is not just happening in Fomoy, it's probably happening in other areas across the city and county uh, as well. We're going to speak with a newly formed and launched Probate Law Association and they are advocating that people need to be discussing their wills with families before they actually make them so that when they pass away and the will gets read, there's no surprise with what mam or dad has decided to do with the house, with the farm, who they're leaving it to. Everybody knew in advance. And it's to stop this idea of families of one sibling taking on another sibling, somebody not happy with what was in the will, taking the other family member to court. And while there will be a winner or a loser in court, ultimately there's no winners or losers because what will happen in situations like that is Families get divided. Stuff is said in court and it can't be taken back. And forevermore, there will be this huge divide within a family. And I suppose the probate lawyers themselves are saying they don't want to see that. So they're offering advice. And of course, one of the key advice, which we did a few weeks ago when we did our information piece on wills, is to make sure you you have a will. But I'll, I'll be interested in hearing the solicitors and the the probate lawyers, uh, their views on this, because I know when we did our information piece a couple of weeks ago about wills, that was one of the points that came up a couple of times from listeners who said they didn't want their family members to know what they put in their will, because while they were alive, they knew that they would be getting dogs abuse from a family member if they had decided that somebody was going to be left out of a will or somebody wasn't going to be getting as much as they felt that they were entitled to. But the person making the will said, no, I don't want to leave anything to whoever it was. And a strange child was one of the ones that was used. But that a strange child could decide to go to court afterwards and uh, put a case in against the family. So we'll be looking at that on the programme today. Traffic delays in Mallow Town. We're going to be asking the question, should the Mallow, the town plaza, should that now be redesigned and should it go back into two lanes? I don't even know why I'm asking that question because I don't know if I will find anyone who lives in Mallow or regularly drives down through the main street of Mallow who will say that town plaza is beautiful. Leave it alone. Do not consider putting it back into two two, uh, lanes. Uh, everyone you talk to and if you look at any Facebook posts when somebody will get very frustrated and put up a fake Facebook post about how they were stuck in traffic for an exceptionally long period of time and why because people couldn't get out at the end of the town because the traffic was all blocked up and how we need two lanes so we're going to be talking about that and actually somebody has already been in saying hi uh, Patricia I was in Mallow yesterday evening and I came down through the town and I wanted to turn right to head for Lidl. Now this is beyond the town plaza, this is over by the bridge but the green arrow which would allow me to turn right came on but it went off after literally two seconds. Is that not working right? Are you still able to turn right when it's a green light for straight on? I wonder, can you help me? Uh, Yes, you can. I mean, if the light is green, you can turn as long as the cars are not coming uh, against you. But it does seem like the sequence of the lights must be wrong if it changed after only two seconds. We'll have a local councillor joining us. I'll I'll put your point to him and we'll we'll see if he can look into it for, for us. Two seconds, you wouldn't even get a car 
out. And often there's a queue of cars wanting to turn right at that junction. But once all the oncoming cars are gone, yes, you are well within your right uh, to turn, even though the light isn't telling you, uh, the green, the arrow isn't telling you that you can uh, go. The cost of running a family car, we're going to be discussing that uh, today and in the middle of it we will talk about insurance uh, costs. Insurance costs, as we mentioned yesterday, have come down for a, for a large number of people, not by a lot, I think about 6-7%, but at least it's better than going up by 6 or 7%. But that's as long as you are a driver with driving experience, you don't have any penalty points, you haven't had any claims. But then there's another group. There are young drivers who are literally getting fleeced on car insurance. And I know last week we had a mother contact us whose daughter had just got her full licence. They were finding it very difficult to get car insurance on the family car so that the daughter could gain experience on the family car. They were finding it very difficult because she was just a newly qualified driver. And God help you if you are an immigrant returning to this country, you are also finding it very, very hard to get car insurance because it's it's like you are starting driving from scratch all over again. They're not taking into consideration your many years of driving in another country. So we'll be looking at that. We will remember the 50th anniversary of the moon landing 50 years ago today I wonder how many people listening to us remember watching the moon landing your thoughts and memories uh, of it and of course today it's also as if the stars have aligned to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the moon landing because there is a partial lunar eclipse also happening uh, today so we'll discuss that and we have a woman joining us who is just back from holidays in Gran Canaria and she is hoping to reunite an Irish person who left behind an engagement ring and a wedding ring in Gran Canaria. Obviously, it was somebody just left the island uh, in the apartment and then this couple, this other Irish family, and it's definitely an Irish family stayed, stayed there before because the box that the rings were left in, it's an Irish jeweller shop, so... We can assume that somebody bought, it is an Irish person, was staying there beforehand and we're trying to reunite that person with uh, her uh, rings. And then Joe Heflin joins us in the final hour of the programme and he's looking back on a study that came out last week which showed that young Irish women are the most depressed in Europe. So that and more between now and one o'clock today. Your thoughts and comments welcomed 1850 Bernie's taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 103103. And thanks to Johnny, the taxi driver, said just five minutes ago the filter traffic lights that we were just talking about that a listener got caught at yesterday um, at the bridge in Mallow State Green. He counted it seven seconds. One car got through. All right, there's something around the sequencing on those lights. We'll get on to the council and see if anything can be done. There's Certainly that's something wrong there. And then a number of calls and texts in on the town plaza. A WhatsApp from Mary says, Morning Patricia, all at C103 on the issue of traffic in Mallow. My God. I have to put my hands up to the lorry drivers. I've seen some close calls at the bridge when they're turning. It's an accident waiting to uh, happen. And that will continue, Mary, until we have the Northern Relief Road built. That's nothing to do with the traffic congestion at the plaza. But yeah, I agree with you. It's just how they, how lorry and truck drivers negotiate that and other narrow corners. They are fantastic drivers, I can tell you that. The town plaza in Mallow says a texter, was the most stupid idea ever. Get rid of it. I um, I and a huge amount of people avoid Mallow on account of the traffic 
jams going down through the main street. It might be nice looking, but it's ruined the place traffic wise. And somebody else says, please take that plaza away. That comes in from a North Cork uh, uh, driver. And I'm wondering, is anybody in favour of the plaza? Because as I say, there's no point opening up any kind of a um, a sort of a, a survey to, that we could do and a poll to see should we get rid of the plaza or not because I know what the answer would be. So I would be interested to hear from anyone who thinks the plaza is lovely and it's pretty and it's nice and it adds to the town and it should be left in peace. 1850 We're going to take a break and back talking about antisocial behaviour. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 Now we received the following text to the programme and for obvious reasons we're keeping the writer of the text anonymous. Good morning Patricia. I'm writing to you to highlight my annoyance and despair at the amount of antisocial behaviour in our estate at Rath Carrick Pike Road for Moy where a gang of youths from the area run riot through the estate causing antisocial behaviour seven nights of the week. They tend to congregate at an area near the entrance to the estate where the empty beer cans and bottles can be seen the following morning. These teenagers run riot around the estate, roaring and shouting, firing stones and eggs at houses, etc. My house was recently targeted with eggs after I had my windowsills painted, I feel perhaps this is the reason why I was chosen on that occasion. They're also road bowling going there's also road bowling going on in the estate seven nights a week, which is highly dangerous. And it's frightening where the shouting and the roaring goes on up and down the estate since till the small hours of the morning. And whenever anybody calls the Gardaí, the youths flee into nearby gardens to hide. Once the Gardaí have gone, they're back road bowling and shouting and coming into people's gardens, damaging flowers, looking for the bowl. We are living in constant fear and intimidation from these youths on a daily basis. And if anybody goes out to complain, Patricia, to ask them to stop the noise, they are promptly told to F off and mind your own business. We're at our wits end. And Patricia, several people I know here are on the transfer list, myself included. We have complained to the Gardaí on many occasions and to many uh, local councillors, especially during the local elections. But unfortunately, the elections are gone and just like our our councillors. But the shouting, the drinking, the intimidation, the threats, the stone throwing the road bowling, etc, etc, etc. It goes on and on, Patricia. There has to be some sort of law to take back the control of our streets from this anti-social behaviour by these gangs. Kind regards. And it signed a very concerned resident of Rathcarrick Pike Road in Formoy. We've invited Councillor Noel McCarthy, who is a local councillor in the area, uh, to join us. Good morning to you, Noel. Good morning, Patricia. Goodness me, that sounds like Beirut. It just sounds such a frightening place for those people to live in. Have you been aware of what's going on in that estate? Well, over the last few years, I did get a few incidents reported to me and and phone calls on them, but not to the extent of what your letter said there. And I was very sorry to hear that that um, listener had written in. And to be that, you can hear by the letter or read or from what you read out, how, I, how worried she is, and I'm sorry to hear that. But I, I have a lot of friends that live in Rackharig Estate, and I visit there on a regular basis, and no one has ever said that much to me that says that bad. I had okay, what, what, what kind of an estate? Describe the estate to people outside of the, of the area. Is it a very large estate? Is it young families? Is it elderly people? It's, it's a big 
big estate in, in, and mostly young families, without a doubt, but a lot of settled people there as well. And said, I think, personally myself, it's a lovely estate to live in, like all our estates and for mine. And as I said, I'm so sorry to hear that listener, what she's putting up with. Now, I, I, I wasn't aware, no one definitely said anything to me about uh, road bowling within the estate. That definitely wasn't brought to my attention. Also, the way they congregate, maybe I'm just wondering, is this because a lot of the teenagers are on summer holidays or what? And this is happening where they're congregating at the entrance to the estate. But I obviously think that if the, uh, the guardian are aware of this, obviously I will, rep- will will speak to them after what you uh, read out to me today, to, them, to the okay. community guard and so on, and bring it to their attention. And obviously if it's that bad, and if the pers- that listener wants to contact me privately, I'll certainly meet them and discuss it with them because I'm very concerned now after reading it out. But overall, that estate, I can assure you, and to any of your listeners uh, listening, is a lovely estate to live in. And as I say, I have a lot of friends in there and I'm just sorry to hear about this incident. Yeah, I wonder, could it just be in a certain part of the, if it's a large estate, could it be just one section it, it, of it that this I, is going on? That's what I'm thinking myself. Yeah. No, she, one part of the letter that did, um, and without, you know, did what, what she was correcting, there is a lot of people on the transfer list. All right, I do agree with that part. Well, but does that if, not raise alarm it, bells? It does, and it has raised alarm bells over the number of years, but I'm going back to this maybe three or four years ago. I thought it was after settling down a lot since then, Patricia, I must admit, I thought, I'm going back, as I say, three or four years ago, a lot more people used to contact me in one certain section of the estate and say, listen, Dad, they had problems and isolated problems. But I think the most important thing here is that parents have a responsibility as well. If mm. their sons and daughters are causing any problems to their neighbours and their property, well, then they must step in and they must control their their, their children and say to them look you must have respect for your neighbours and for your neighbours and know where your children are at night exactly and I think it's just totally unfair if this is only a certain group doing it and, I, and like as I say I think we're very looking for my that we have a it's a lovely place to live in and I think the Gardaí will confirm that if you do make contact with them that we're actually nearly crying free to, and people enjoy living in for I don't want the wrong it's a great before. great spot it's a great spot yes, and there's a lovely is, community uh, spirit there and all over, and that carried included. So I think this is just a nice, maybe, and I, I don't want, because I understand where that listener's coming from, and I don't want to be saying that, the, that I can understand what she's got. Throwing eggs at someone's property is totally unacceptable. And the mess and, that it makes, and, and the cleaning, the cleaning up of it after. There also, somebody else said that they don't have a residence association. They did have one, but it never really worked. And I'm wondering if there was, is an issue like this going on, you know, a, a, a good, strong residence association could help. Yes, and I, and I think that's the way forward. I don't know there was, and I went to meetings there on a couple of occasions and met residents there, and it's a very well-kept estate. Now, one resident lately said to me, it's a bit untidy in one section, and he brought in my intentions from my involvement in the tidy towns, and I said, yes, I will check that out. But again, as I said to that person, because he's a friend of mine that said it to me, don't forget, I said that the people living in there have a responsibility as well to keep it tidy. So maybe this is all adding up now to what their summer holidays, not, parents not in control of some of their children, and they need to take responsibility here. But yes, I will definitely say I'm very worried what that listener writing into when she went to her, when she did actually really is concerned and worried. And I think we need to be. Like I did canvass there during the local elections and I met a lot of people there when I called. One or two, it's been up to me about the transfer, but nothing about antisocial behaviour to that extent what your listener explained. And when, when you spoke with people who said they wanted to transfer, had they given you a reason for the transfer? 
It did over, as I say, three or four years ago, it was because they were worried that there was a lot of, uh, 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 you know, and not calling it big anti-social behavior, I know. isolated instances where they were worried and upset and different, but different, they should get a transfer out of their one way, where the other. But since then, I definitely think it's that I thought it had settled down. I always feel like when there, there's, as I said, there's lovely people living there, which is, and I wouldn't want the wrong mm. person to go to Rack Harrigan any way. I think this is an isolated incident. I hope that person that wrote in will contact me privately. I will come to meet them and discuss it and see what can I do to help in any way. Cause I am yeah, because somebody else is talking about there's somebody driving, this is probably a separate issue though, driving uh, excessive speeds on a motorbike through the yeah. area and they're worried because there's, there's a nearby uh, crash but that's a, that's a completely uh, different issue that's just somebody acting really irresponsibly who could cause an accident and again and that's a very good point Patricia because we're getting that in all the states I think not just for my that if you haven't got ramps that, that people don't when they come in they're, they're driving that. but I always say to people about that situation mostly there are people that are living in this space and they don't think about their neighbours or their young children that you know, and I think that's a responsibility that, that even ramps won't solve unless they have take responsibility themselves. But that is a, that is a, a problem that comes up in, in a lot of the states and for mine about people speeding in. How, in are, there the ra- are there ramps in that? Are there speed ramps in there that is, area? There, there, is, there, yeah. is, there is one or two ramps in that area. There's one right at the crash actually as you talk about. Yeah. And that crash is, is so well run and, and full to capacity and it's, you know, so that character state is, as I say, that if you ask anyone else from my dad, I hopefully say the same thing I am. It's a beautiful state yeah, to live in. Yeah, Very it's well kept. It's just a hope. It's a nice little instance that's happening since the summer holidays, the good weather and, and so on. Yeah, it's just young, I, young people out. But again, so we're back to a bit of parental responsibility. Know, know where yeah, your I, young people are. And respect for people's property. And respect for the people. And I, one other thing, I suppose, I wouldn't want to think that this person is being bullied in any way because I totally condemn that. I think that's totally wrong if that person is being picked on for any other reason. I think that's wrong and we need to take and I think the community guard I'll certainly contact them I did try okay. this morning before I came on here but I will contact them again to know would he look into it and if that person would even contact the community guard I know he's, they're very good and they would speak to him in a private company okay. that's, the right, that's good advice that's good advice and just yeah. while we have you on the line Tom and Rath Gormick yeah. was on to say there has been a, sh- a shed type structure erected at the picnic area in Formoy where the travellers are camped is Noel aware of that? I am. I saw it over the weekend. I was again, and we have a, a, a municipal meeting today, and I was actually going to raise it. I'm like in, in the whole thing in general, where we're going with um, an authorised uh, mobile home and a shed. Now that's appeared all of a sudden over the weekend. I saw it. And Tom is right. I did see it. So, yeah, because the last time we were talking with the the couple that were there, they were expecting the guardie to come and move them on, but then nothing happened. Nothing happened. That's why I was just going racing there. What, what are we doing? What's the update on the situation? But they have nowhere discussed? to go, Noel. I, I agree, Patricia. And it, it, But as I said before, and, I, and I'm consistent in this, if they don't work within the system that's there with the housing, well, then we'll have no system. So again, as, as I said to them, if they come out of there and work with the housing authority to get uh, rented accommodation and then get, on, uh, get, get a social house, that's definitely the way forward for them for all people like that that are finding themselves hard or in difficult situation they must work within the system yeah yeah I, 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 I know I know, I know that point probably, I know people probably criticise me for it but if we don't have a system it's just a way of well, it doesn't work it, nothing works it doesn't nothing works work. yeah. and, and, and if someone does that 
we'll have another one the week after and the week after and then we've no control. And I don't mean to be cruel or don't mean to be hard because I'm actually, as I said before, friendly with that. I like John and, and his wife inside in that in the picnic area. But I keep saying to him when I meet him, they must do the right thing. OK, keep us informed on that, uh, Noel. Uh, and in the meantime, back to me, Trisha, no thanks a million. And thanks for joining us. Uh, bye bye. Bye bye. That is uh, Councillor Noel, Finnegan, Noel McCarthy joining us uh, from Formoy. Just on antisocial behaviour and young people and the fact that it's the summertime and that young people just hanging out. That's what young people do. Margaret Amala says when she was young, she spent her entire summer holidays saving the hay and looking after the cattle. She said even the town children found ways to keep themselves busy, be it with odd jobs. They never ran wild like they do today. What is wrong with today's young people? Why can't they find jobs and something and hobbies and whatever to keep themselves busy instead of getting involved in antisocial behaviour? And on Mallow that we're going to be discussing and the traffic situation in Mallow, uh, William says the one-way traffic system should be going the other way up the main street in Mallow. He's actually going to start a Facebook campaign. Would others agree with William in Mallow that the cars are driving the wrong way? They come down the street, down on towards the spa, if you made it one way, the other way. And I know that was looked at before. I know, I just can't remember what the outcome is, certainly I know, but it was looked at before. 1850-333-103. And more, one of our listeners is looking for some advice, please. Patricia, hi. I got some new bathroom tiles put down, gorgeous, but they're stains. They look dirty. My heart's broken trying to clean them. OK, so these are brand new bathroom tiles. How do you do that initial clean on them to have them shiny and sparkling and to remove any grit and dirt or anything else that would be there left behind after the uh, tiler's advice, please, on new bathroom tiles. And when Morris had put down, I'm assuming they're just the floor tiles. 1850-333-103. If anyone can think of a product that you suggest Morris should use on new bathroom tiles or maybe, maybe something that your your mother or your grandmother used to use. You know, some of the old-fashioned remedies like vinegar is great for cleaning and lemon juice is great for cleaning. Don't know if it'll work on bathroom tiles uh, or not, but anyone with suggestions, let us know. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. Now, a few weeks ago, we had a huge reaction from listeners to an information piece we did on wills and why it's so important to make a will. One point that came up a few times was should you tell your nearest and dearest? what you're putting in your will. Well, according to the newly launched Probate Bar Association, you should sit your family down and discuss your will. To explain why, the president of the Probate Bar Association, Vinog Faulkner, uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Vinog. Good morning, Patricia. And, Thank and you for having me on. Well, you're very welcome. Do probate lawyers try to do everything in their powers to stop a case going to court? Uh, yes, is the answer. Um, I, I think that... I suppose the starting point is is that when you're first instructed as a barrister from a solicitor, you will review the papers, then you will arrange a consultation. If you have all of the information at the outset, which isn't always the case, uh, you will, you know, hope that at some point you will have enough information to give your client an informed decision about the viability or their chances of success. And uh, I suppose at that point, 
a, I may very well say at the very outset, look, I think on balance you're unlikely to succeed in the case and that therefore uh, you should stop at this stage and stop throwing good money after bad. But unfortunately, you have to follow your client's instructions. Some clients will accept that advice. Uh, other clients might say, no, you know, I wish to proceed and have my day in court. But I should say from my own experience and from the collective experience of other barristers who deal a lot in the area of probate law, uh, we find that probably about 90% of cases uh, are resolved without going to court and right. we regard that as a success. Yeah. And we're really disappointed when cases actually go into court because they're very traumatic and uh, very upsetting for the families. And so we try to encourage where we can resolution of cases as early as possible. Because I'm assuming that some families can end up divided, perhaps for generations, over a dispute of a will and what was said and not said in court. Absolutely. And, that's, and that is the difficulty, is that when you go to court, unfortunately, one side has to win and one side has to lose. And things said in the witness box cannot be unsaid. And it can get very personal. And while you try to steer away from the personal element of cases to focus on the sort of factual relevant facts that might be relevant in terms of the law applicable to the type of case before the court. You know, emotions can run high mm. in the witness box, things can be said, um, you know, families will be upset, might leave the room. And you're right, it then fosters further uh, division in the future, which just can't be healthy for families, you know. Yeah. So so the advice is, explain what's in your will and, and why you're making the choices. Is, is, is that the best way to do it? it? Well, I suppose the starting point is that parents know their children better than anybody. Yeah. And so it may not be possible in every situation uh, for parents to sit down. You know, as I said last week, uh, we appreciate that not every family is the Waltons. So because uh, parents know their children, it may be that they would have concerns uh, because of strong personalities in the family. But where you can, I we believe, I suppose, collectively as an association from, and this comes from, I suppose, the consultations. I find that the common denominator uh, a lot of the time uh, amongst a lot of the cases is a lack of communication between the parents and their children before they die and then subsequently a lack of communication between the brothers and sisters after the surviving parent has died and that I feel that if at all possible if parents could sit down with their children and explain what they intend to do and why uh, then it may may help avoid a dispute afterwards which again, can only be the, in the best interest of the family in general. Mm. Yeah, because when we did our information piece a few weeks ago, it was one of the questions that actually that came up. Can I wait, you know, when I make my will, do I have to tell everybody what's involved in it? And I remember one listener in particular said if she told her family, her children, all of her children, what she was doing with the land, it was a farm and yeah. a house, she said it would cause ructions. And she yeah. said, I just don't want that in my lifetime. Exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and I feel that that is uh, uh, frequently the case. But I think that if the message that we would like, I suppose, to promote is that where possible, if that can be achieved by just sitting down and avoiding a dispute. But yes, equally, I feel that parents can be pulled from pillar to post yeah. by children. And, and then, you know, the older parents get, they become, become maybe more reliant on one child and then other children can view that as a, some favouritism. And so you've got all those complexities of natural sort of everyday human interactions that you have to gauge yourself. I suppose it's no different to having a close friend and you 
want to make a decision about should I tell them something or not and you have to individually gauge that and I suppose really what we would hope is that if it is possible uh, maybe to do it because it might avoid but equally we appreciate the fact that parents will be concerned about having those discussions during their lifetime because that could create division and alienation in some cases Mm. for the parents Mm. and you don't want them to be vulnerable and on their own either so it's a fine balance but You know, as I say, sometimes you'd be in a consultation and the child would say, I haven't been recognised in in the will and I wasn't recognised during my lifetime. And maybe if there was some communication uh, beforehand, they might avoid having to come to meet somebody like me, you know. And nobody wants the idea that when, I mean, we're all going to die, but nobody likes to think about the fact that your your family end up at each other's throat in in, in a courthouse trying to sort it out. I mean, because I'm sure you've often heard that. Oh, you know, yeah. my, my mother would be turning, turning in her grave, grave if she knew we were all fighting. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, and it is devastating. And I mean, it really, you know, even from the point of view of the lawyers, it, it takes a lot out of you. And while you have to, you know... Um, deal with it in, in your professional manner, which we do, you can't help but feel um, for some families emotionally uh, drained at the end of, a, yeah. of the case. And honestly, as they say, it is uh, really devastating when it goes into court because it can get very tricky inside in court. And then somebody has won and somebody has lost. And that just is something that we would like to encourage people to try. And even post-death, if there is a dispute, uh, you know, a hint of a dispute starting, Again, sort of early interaction. And I suppose I should say from the other point of view is that this is kind of a legal aspect of observation. There are very uh, short time limits, and, and I don't want to get too technical, but uh, there are certain time limits within which children have uh, time to issue proceedings. So, for example, if a child after the parent has died believes that proper provision wasn't made for them, then they have six months from the extraction of what is known as a grant of probate. And I should just explain to your listeners that where a person dies with a will, they're said to have died to test date. And when they die without a will, they die intestate. And in order for the uh, family to deal with the administration of the parents of state, they must extract what's known as a grant of probate where the person dies with the will and a grant of intestacy where they die without a will. So then the child, if they want to bring a claim under Section 117, must do so within six months of the grant of probate. So what happens then is that emotions are, you know, still running high. I mean, grief plays a lot, uh, you know, has an impact on decision making because different people have different ways of dealing with their grief. Mm. And it can take some people longer than others to be able to, um, you know, uh, get over go through the, the death, very yeah. Exactly. And so you have a situation then that because of the tight time limits, the, the child goes to a solicitor. The solicitor is then obliged to follow the instructions of the client. A letter is then sent out, and that letter is sent out to the executor, let's say, of the estate. That's seen as an act of aggression. And then, unfortunately, from, what, from our collective experience, that can then lead to a lack of communication, whereas what we want to encourage is, even at that early stage, these letters are shouldn't be seen as acts of aggression. In fact, they just have to be sent to stop certain time limits but that everybody should still be prepared to talk yeah, but as you, early as possible yeah but you can st- I got she sent me a solicitor's letter you can almost hear somebody saying it yeah yeah you know. and, and just just on that whole issue of um, the a, a child once a child has reached adulthood d- yeah d- you know, does that need to be looked at, that a parent has yes. this moral duty to provide for them in, in their will, this section, one, one section? Yes. Does that need to be looked at? It does, and in fact, the law reform 
uh, Commission, uh, Ms Justice Baker, who uh, originally hails from Cork, uh, she launched the paper in 2017, and uh, the Law Reform uh, Commission have recommended that there uh, be changes brought to Section 117. And then the main one will be that there should be a presumption in law that when a child has reached 18 or 23 after full-time education, that the parents have discharged their moral duty. Of course, there will be some exceptions to that. Uh, for example, where you have a child uh, with uh, special needs, and special yeah. needs, then obviously uh, there would be a greater moral duty owed to them. And in fact, the Law Reform Commission have also uh, recommended and suggested that um, maybe there's a greater moral duty owed to children who may remain at home to mm. uh, provide care and maintenance for their parents. And they would seem to me to be uh, very reasonable proposals. But I should also say, though, at this point, that in fairness, that is really what the practice is in the courts for a, a large number of years, um, uh, that there's a very, very, very high bar for a child uh, in order for them to succeed in court because the court will operate on the basis that, first of all, everybody must have freedom of testation. You should be free to dispose of your assets as you see fit, save and accept. You have uh, the surviving spouses have legal uh, right shares. Mm. But in terms of children, yes, objectively, uh, there's, a, there's definitely a need for reform. And so far, there hasn't been any move by the government uh, to implement those recommendations, you know. Okay, and and the main aim of of your association or, or one of the things that, that you want to promote uh, is the importance of making a will. Yes. Yeah. I think, I suppose, the making a will, you retain control over the destiny of, 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 of your estate and, you know, you may have friends and neighbours who you want to leave a small gift to a memento uh, in recognition of their friendship and, and that, whereas if you die without a will, it's the state legislation, really, that dictates uh, where your assets will go. Um, but putting your affairs in order in terms of a will, I think, can be very helpful, you know. OK, and just very briefly, a listener has rang in to say, uh, Marion Rathcool, how long does it take to settle the terms of a will? She thought her solicitor was dragging things out for the settlement of her husband's will. It took over three years. I, I, well, I suppose I, I can't comment on any particular one case because uh, I don't know what was involved, but, I mean, there you know, in general, I don't even know if that's an actual litigation or is it just the extraction of a grant of, of probate. So I wouldn't really be in a position to comment other than to say that if, if litigation uh, is in being, well, then, yes, that is not a, 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 a long period of time, three years, certainly, and some more than that, because you may have appeals that could be in the circuit court, it could be appealed to the high court. And um, as we know, the court resources are under... Uh, a lot Immense of pressure, pressure. Exactly. Yeah. so there's yeah. a lack of judges and there's a need for you know an urgent need for more judges to be appointed to be able to lower those uh, time uh, frames so yes on average I'd say three years when there's litigation yeah okay listen I enjoyed our chat thank you for thank that you very good, much. good luck with your association thank and thanks you. for joining us uh, bye 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 that is uh, Vinog Faulkner who is the first president of this new association has just recently been launched the probate bar association who like well, the piece that we did a few weeks ago the need and the importance of making a will 1850 333 103
Bernie is taking your calls coming up in the next hour we are going to look at traffic delays in Mallow possibly trying to come up with some solutions how do we stop with the main street not becoming a car park which it can be on uh, some days and we're also going to be uh, trying to find the owner's owner I imagine it's one owner of a wedding ring and an engagement ring I think it was that was left behind in an apartment block in Gran Canaria earlier this month that and more coming up and some of your commentary in uh, reacted to our piece that we did on the making of wills and the probate bar association that's just been set up trying to get people to discuss what's in their will so that it doesn't end up in court. Uh, morning Patricia, after that lady who texted in about her husband's will and the fact that it took three years to settle, I'm starting to ask myself what's the point of making a will uh, in that case? Surely the will is your wishes and it's not to be fought over. Yeah, but unfortunately that's what's happening. Families do end up uh, fighting and one of the points that uh, Finn Oak uh, Faulkner of the Probate Bar Association said was what is said in court can't be taken back and you can end up with families been split for generations to come over something that was disputed in a will. A listener says, my brother and I haven't spoken to one another for over 30 years, all because of a will. The thing was, he knew what was in my parents' will from the very start. He was supposed to be an executor of the will. But when my father died, he announced that he was stepping down as executor and he decided to contest the will and all that's done has divided the family. 1850 333 103. And thank you to Danny in Cork City saying, Patricia, just to let you know, there is still an election and a European election poster up. It's at the end of the Western Road near the turn off to Donovan's Road in Cork. It's for the Labour candidate. I've seen it for the last two to three weeks and I had to stop and think, who is the Labour candidate for Ireland South this time round? And it was, of course, Sheila Noonan. She didn't. She wasn't successful, I have to say. OK, can somebody in the Labour Party, please, in Cork City, get to that poster and get it taken down? It's a wonder that they haven't been fined at this stage because you get fined every day that a poster is left up. It's a wonder the City Council hasn't been on to the Labour Party. Maybe they have. 1850-333-103. Now, were you or was anyone you know recently on holidays in Puerto Rico in Gran Canario? If so, the next piece may be of interest to you. Deirdre Dwyer from Carlo has recently returned from Gran Canario and she's trying to track down the owner of what looks like a wedding and an engagement ring and Deirdre joins me. Good morning to you Deirdre. Good morning Patricia. I'm very well. Now where did you discover the rings? I actually discovered them. I was there for a week from the 2nd of July to the 9th and the night before I was leaving my hotel I had my own jewellery and my own money and all in my safety deposit box and I was using it all week and I never copped the rings in it but on the night before I left I um, just did a quick sweep like because I was packing up my bags and in the corner of the safety deposit box, there was a ring box, which I actually thought was my mother's. So I rang her and I said to her, you leave rings in here. She, she was down the town. And um, no, they weren't hers. So when I opened the box anyway, they were, um, yeah, a wedding set, to the best of my knowledge anyway. Yeah. So it looks like a wedding band and an engagement yes, type, yes, type uh, ring. Yeah, jewellery box. Yeah. Um, now you, so you you arrived on the second. So it would have been, you assume somebody was there, probably left on the second I'm not really sure. Like, there could have been, like, the chances of someone from Ireland being there straight away before me, and I don't know. They could have been there a long time. 
in other words, some people don't use safety deposit boxes when they go on holidays. So Yeah, that's I true. Yeah. And it was the safety deposit box that was in the room. In the room, yeah. In the room, yeah. and it was right at the very back. Yeah, it could have been there from for, for a couple of weeks because not everyone, yeah. as you say, might have used it or might have put their hand right to the back to, to yeah. see that there was something in it. And you decided against handing the rings into the hotel reception. You I decided to, to bring them back. Yeah, it was a hard decision to make because like, they were a lovely set of rings and um, I know myself before I went on my holidays, I had emailed the hotel like once or twice just for... Um, stuff for my own holiday and their, their English was quite bad when they were, were replying to my emails so I was catching my own flight and I sat down with my sister and my mother and I said what do you think like should I give them back to the hotel that's like that's what I would do like if I was in Ireland or anything and um, the girls all said like well they're they're from a jewellers in Ireland but like only one or two counties away from me so like if it was you would you not prefer someone to bring them home with you because how are they going to come back to Puerto Rico to get their rings? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and um, if somebody had emailed to say, which is what you would do, did yeah. you find my rings? Yeah, I'm sure they would have been to my room in the whole week that I had while I was there to look yeah, for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think, I, I, I do think you did the right thing in bringing it back. So mm-hmm. then you, and they're, and they're definitely from Ireland. Definitely from Ireland. It's, um, they're actually from Clonmel. It's, it's a jeweller's in Clonmel in County Tipperary. And the name is on the box? And the name of the jewellers is on the box, yeah. Okay. Um, and you, so you put it up on Facebook. What sort of a reaction have you, are you getting online? Oh, I'm getting loads of shares. Like, I think it's actually been shared over a thousand times wow. and so far, yeah. But no one has came forward for them yet. So. Yeah. Yeah. And you you deliberately, you're not going to give, uh, put up any photographs because whoever owns these rings, you want to get them back to the rightful owner. Exactly, yeah. Like I'm getting lots of friend requests and stuff on <laughs> Facebook. You know, p- people are probably trying to have, a, maybe they think I have a picture of them on my own page or something. But I just want, like whoever owns them will know what the rings look like, will know the room number and na- the name of the hotel that they yeah. left them in. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it could be that they just left, that they they okay. yeah that mm-hmm. they were there at the end of June, so they would have left the beginning of July. Or certainly the weeks before, you, you would assume they weren't there very much longer than that. That somebody exactly. somebody uh, would have found them. Now they're not of huge value. Let's let's no. point that out. No, I brought them down to a jeweller's just to see what I was actually dealing with in in Carl. I'm from Carl myself, and um, I brought them down to the jewellers, and they said that they are dress rings. So they're um, they're not like a proper wedding set as such, like. But they, that doesn't mean to say they're not still a wedding set for a couple, and yeah. they're not still very sentimental to someone. Yeah, absolutely, know? absolutely, yeah. and and they could be of huge value to somebody else. We exactly. we just we just we just don't know that. So you're mm-hmm. hanging on to them, and we'll and hopefully so. Yes. If the jewellery shop was in Clamel, it could be somebody from Clamel, it could have been somebody from North Cork. Who a lot of people in North Cork go to Clamel shopping, who could have bought yep. the rings. Yeah, it could be anywhere in the country. Somebody passing through. Yeah, yeah. Going from Carl, I bought my own rings in Dublin. So you never know. Yeah, you, know. you don't. Yeah. yeah. And did yeah. you did you have a good holiday? I had a great holiday. Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, I was so nervous bringing them home. Though I was like, oh my god, I just felt so wrong actually bringing them home. No, well. I, I genuinely was, think you did the right thing yeah. because if the hotel hadn't gone to the effort of going up and checking the room. That's then, what I thought. Yeah, yeah, you'd be afraid they'd just get dumped somewhere in a box and, and exactly. or put away. And, and then you've got a better chance, I think, of getting them back to the owner over here I, in doing I what you're doing. So. Yeah, and if, if, if it was me who left my rings out there and someone brought them home to Ireland, I would be more like, I'd be so happy that, you know, it was just that much easier to get them. Yeah. Someone yeah. is saying, could, could you contact the jewellers in Clonmel? Would they be I, able to trace the owner? Yeah. I brought them into the own, my own jewellers here in Carlo. Like they, they're stamped, like they're um, and all the rest. But 
they wouldn't have details. Like, but I, I bought my own wedding ring last year and my own engagement ring. And my jewellers in Dublin didn't take my own personal details. They so don't. I don't know. They sell so many rings. They sell so many. If, if yeah. it's a thing and then a few weeks pass and no one comes forward, I might head down to Clomel and see can I get You're very good. Uh, do, can we share your Facebook post on our Facebook page? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you can. okay. Yeah. All right, and we'll keep in contact with you, Deirdre. Thank you for that. Lovely. Thank and thanks for joining pleasure. us. Uh, bye bye. Bye bye. Dear George Wire there from, uh, I was going to say from Puerto Rico in Greg, from Carlo, but she's just back from uh, Puerto Rico. So if you hear of anyone who was talking about you, I'll never guess I left my rings, the wedding ring and the engagement ring behind and they left it in the safety deposit box. I do know I had a really gorgeous necklace, not, not very expensive, but it had huge sentimental value to me because it had been given to me by a, a friend who's no longer with me. And I left I I know I had it leaving I was overseas and I definitely had it leaving the country because I remember being at the airport and actually there was a photograph taken as well at the airport and I had the necklace was was around my neck and we flew into Dublin airport and then we had to stay overnight in the in, in Dublin in an airport in Dublin and I took the necklace off because it was a very fine necklace so I wouldn't have slept with it on for fear that the chain would break and of course getting up early the next morning to get back home I got home and I realised oh I'm not leaving the necklace behind now it was a few days I think before I realised I'd left the necklace behind so I contacted the hotel and they said I think what possibly happened to us that I knocked it off the locker because I'm very good at, you know, checking the room before I leave and there was certainly nothing on the surface. I might have knocked it off. I might have gone in under the bed or, you know, something like that. They said that the cleaners didn't find it. But, you know, it was very possible that another guest staying there, then, you know, the next guest staying there might have found it. Might have, you know, certainly wouldn't have known that it was of huge sentimental value to me. And I never got it back and I I was gutted. And that's why I would love to think that somebody like the honesty of Deirdre, and I think what she's trying to do, I think she was right to to bring them home because if the hotel hadn't done anything, she was there for a full week. So they were there for at least, they were in their safety deposit at least for a full week. You were assuming that the person went back home and had realised that their rings were missing and had in some way contacted the hotel who then obviously had said that they hadn't been found or they couldn't find them because they made no attempt to come up to the room to look for the ring. So I think she's done the right thing in bringing it home. We'll share the stories as I say on our Facebook page and if you're friends with us on our Facebook page can you share it on? Let's try and get the word out. I think in particular people in the North Cork area, I think if we get a lot of people sharing it in the North Cork area um, and obviously I'm from Clonmel, I'll try and get it shared in Clonmel as well. It would be just great. It would be lovely to get them back to their uh, rightful owner. 1850 Some words of advice um, coming into us for the tiles on the the cleaning of the uh, tiles the cleaning the cleaning of the tiles sorry there's just so many texts coming in here I'm getting them all confused okay the cleaning of the tiles this was the listener who contacted us who has Maura she's recently had floor tiles put down in the bathroom but she said they're grubby looking they're stained and they're dirty looking and her heart is broken trying to clean them and we were looking for any suggestions or solutions on how to clean newly put down bathroom floor tiles. Sheila says try cleaning the bathroom to clean the bathroom tiles. Try wiping them over with baby oil but 
if they're floor tiles, which they are, you're going to have to give them a good wash afterwards with very hot soapy water. Otherwise, they'll be very slippy uh, when they get wet. But Sheila reckons cleaning with baby oil is certainly one way of cleaning tiles. Very good, obviously, if they're on the walls, but it will work for the floor as well. And Madge says, read the bathroom tiles, get down on your hands and knees with a Brillo pad. It's the only way to do it. I had to do that once myself. 1850 333103. Lines open. C103 Jobs. Dan Seaman Motors are looking for a qualified R late phase mechanic is for their dealership in Forge Hill in Cork. Homestead Senior Care, they're currently recruiting senior home care assistants. It's for the Blackrock, Wilton, Bishopstown and Ballancolic areas. And fully qualified mechanic is required for immediate start in a busy West Cork garage and Stunners Hair Salon in Mallow. They're looking for a full-time, fully qualified hair stylist. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, council officials have pledged to undertake a comprehensive review of the traffic congestion problems in Mallow once construction work has been completed on the new boardwalk on Mallow Bridge. The issue of ongoing traffic jams on the main street was raised by Councillor Gerold Murphy at a recent municipal district meeting and I'm delighted to say Gerold joins me live in studio. Good morning to you. Road. Hi, uh, and you're well, you're very welcome. Now, traffic down the main street can be horrendous most days. It's not just on the odd day. It's, it seems to be nearly every day. Was the issue raised a lot to you during the recent local election campaign? Yes, it was. And can you talk right, right into that microphone. Thanks very much. Uh, yes, it was. And in fact, it, it was raised, to be honest, since I've become a councillor. It's been one of the most frequently raised issues just in general by people. And as councillors, we have to act as a link between the person on the street and what's going on in County Hall. So, you know, it's also our job, of course, to promote positivity and to be promote the town and surrounding areas, the whole region. And but part of that has to be listening to the people and bring their concerns back. So that's what my motion was about at the recent council meeting, just to look into the traffic. Nothing should be off the table for this. We should take consider all measures and if there's a reason that uh, one of the biggest kind of suggestions made to me one of the most common ones made to me was to put a second lane into the plaza which is what it used to be the way it was before the plaza was installed yeah exactly people some people say get rid of the plaza in many respects often what they mean by that is to just put a filter lane in and I mean, it's definitely something I think that the council should look at. And it was one of the things I explicitly mentioned in the motion. The motion is a very general one. It's looking for a broad study to be carried out to consider all measures that could be taken to improve traffic flow in the town centre. But that is specifically mentioned, including that. If there's a reason we can't do that, then that's fine. But the officials need to, to tell us why not. Um, tell us why it would be too expensive or why, you know, it has to be recognised as well. Before the plaza went in, the traffic situation also wasn't perfect. It wasn't perfect from a road safety perspective. But it was made worse by the plaza. That has to be accepted. Yeah, and that's the general perception. Um, So when everyone in town is saying the same thing, essentially, you know, we need an answer. We we need to, to find out why not. 
And if we can't do this, then what can we do instead to improve the traffic flow? Mm. Do you feel for local businesses, uh, Garod, who must be affected by the ongoing traffic jams? I mean, when I mentioned this morning we were going to be talking about it, I had people saying it's the reason that I avoid Mallow Town for shopping. And that's that's so unfair on the businesses. Absolutely. And, you know, it's some of it is perception and some of it is reality. So, frankly, it doesn't matter whether it's like that or not some days it might be okay it's the summer at the moment it's the the off season it wouldn't be you don't have the school traffic it wouldn't be quite as bad as it could sometimes be but yeah hit it in the afternoon when the school traffic is around that's exactly it and you see the thing is if people see the traffic as bad even if it mightn't be bad on some maybe the off season like during the summer people still have an impression maybe that it is and it, it doesn't matter whether it's bad or not. If it causes people to avoid the town, then it's a major problem for us as councillors. And we, a lot of it is about communication. And if there is a reason why we can't put a second lane in, if there's a reason, if there's other measures which would be better, then we need to communicate that. And I suppose that that's what this is about. Mm, mm, absolutely. I mean, a northern relief road, ultimately, mm. that's what will solve the problem. But how long do we wait for the northern relief road? That's another issue. My my own understanding from speaking to officials is that five or six years would be an optimistic forecast to get a Northern Relief Road in. Five to six years. That that would be optimistic. In in my own, that's my impression from speaking to officials. Yeah. Because building a road, there's so many, there's so much red tape. There, like, even compared with this is again from talking to officials, what they've told me compared with fifteen or twenty years ago you know, just the environmental impact assessments, everything that has to be carried out in building a new road, it just takes years. So that's where we're at with the Northern Relief Road. The other thing that I suppose point that has to be made is that Mallow is a growing town and traffic has actually increased in the town centre since the plaza was put in. Yeah, and that has to be looked at and accepted. Yeah, and you know, we have, I mean, it's a, it's a good problem to have in a way. It's mm. a problem of a thriving town, but we have to adapt with that. And we also have to recognise that the relief road will be fantastic, please God, when it does come in for taking the HGVs, the lorries away from the town centre and freeing it up and just opening up the town. But at the same time, if local traffic continues to increase, it's probably, you know, that won't do anything about the local traffic. So we need just to consider all measures to make it as open and as accessible as possible. And on the other side, then to promote the town and the area as much as possible. And part of that is just opening it up and making okay, it accessible. And, and I mentioned in the, in the outset that the council say they'll do um, they, they'll do a comprehensive review once the new boardwalk on Mallow Bridge is completed. Will that new boardwalk help the situation? Yes, well, that is another thing. I do think that the boardwalk will help. It'll help the traffic turning right up towards Dano Super Value and the south side of Mallow. Okay. And that will reduce the backlog or of traffic flowing back towards the town centre. So I do think it's a very positive thing for the town. And in the medium, even as soon as it's finished, it will drastically, I do think, help the traffic. But I don't think any one measure is enough on its own. I think everyone needs everything needs to be looked at. And... That's where my motion came from. OK, another listener is saying one of the biggest problems that we have in the town of Mallow is people don't know what to do with a yellow box. People drive into it, they block it up and when the lights change, no cars can get out. That's adding to the problem. And that has to be accepted. Everybody's doing that. Yeah, unfortunately, I suppose that 
that's something that is probably more of a cultural thing and will take a bit longer to yeah. change. But speaking of yellow boxes and just to look, I, I want to be clear as well. We have to be very po- we have to be as positive as possible about the town because there's so much to love about Mallow. It's just um, to to make it as accessible as possible. I suppose the for example last summer there was um, you know the engineers are open to suggestions. They changed the traffic light sequence or the sequencing, but also the system last summer in that there used to be traffic lights in the bottom of St. Joseph's Road and they took those away and put in a yellow box. And That's as, working. Yeah, I, I do feel that, yeah, that, yeah. that has significantly improved the situation definitely up St. Joseph's Road. And they listened to people there, didn't they? Yeah. And that, that, the, 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 actually, talking of traffic sequencing, because we've had some calls in on that uh, this morning, it was kicked off by a listener. So Patricia, I was in Mallow yesterday uh, and I went down through the town and I wanted to turn right to go for Little onto the Park Road but the green arrow came on and I went off after about two seconds is it not working uh, right and then when I mentioned it uh, a taxi driver was on straight away said this morning it was it went on for seven seconds and only one car got through can you get that checked just the sequencing of that doesn't seem right yeah absolutely that that seems a little bit short all right yeah I, I can definitely say that to the engineers okay and the traffic review when do you expect that to take place somebody's asking well, the response given to my motion was that it's after, after the, bo- the board walk. When does when is that? Um, Do you know well, that's going to take? That's another thing. The, board, the work actually hasn't started yet. I've been pushing for it to start as early as possible in the summer so that there's as little time, you know, with the construction going on during the school hours or, or the school weeks after the schools come back in September as possible. Um, the latest I have on that is that it's meant to be kind of end of July, start of August. So hopefully in the next few weeks, but I'll keep on about that. Okay, Pat O'Brien says, good to hear Gerald Murphy on about the plaza area. It's a nightmare. The Link Road is uh, a necessity and so say uh, all of us. Someone else is saying, do you know, does Gerald know how much would modification of the plaza cost? Would it be a costly procedure? No, we don't. And that's actually part of the motion as well. It specifically asks for a cost-benefit analysis on many different... on on different proposals to um, improve traffic flow and including modification of the plaza and different types of modifications as well. Um, It was suggested uh, by one of the other councillors that maybe just putting in a pedestrian system and having no traffic lights but having a pedestrian crossing system could be another option. Um, It might be a less intrusive option. It was Councillor Pat Hayes who suggested that actually. And then Councillor Liam Madden also suggested um, just having better signage for yeah. example, like at the moment, so going down into Church uh, Church Street, uh, going down towards the Protestant Church, there isn't really that much signage to, or it's definitely not very prominent for someone casually driving through the town to see that you can actually get out there onto the park road that way. So things like that even, which would be probably less costly. Yeah, the whole small point, things that could, yeah. Exactly. The whole point is just to start a conversation about this and just to have a conversation about it in the public forum and we're not the experts as councillors. We're just the link between the people and the professionals in County Hall, the, the engineers. The yeah, officials. but you're, you're listening to the people and everybody's saying yeah. the same thing. I mean, Mary in Shambhali Moore said last week she was held up on the main street from O'Brien Street. She got caught in one of the big snarl-ups. Her sister was on her way to Cork at the same time. She said her sister got to Blackpool and Mary was only as far as the traffic uh, lights at the library. The plaza should be uh, taken uh, away. Does Garode think the plaza, this is a different listener, mm. does Garode think the plaza has been a success in any way? Um, that's a good question. 
On a personal level, look, it's kind of a matter of taste as to whether it looks nice or not. There was one summer day I was walking down. It was it was a Sunday kind of morning and there's no traffic there on a Sunday mm-hmm. morning. It was glorious day. It The statue of Thomas Davis just with the backdrop of the... Um, the clock the clock house. House. It just looked fantastic. I took a few photos there. Yeah. And I think I think it's got real... It's like all of them. It's got huge potential. It's just... We need to bring as much positivity as possible. But we yeah. also need... In order to do that, we need to address people's concerns with traffic flow. And the problem with the plaza, in my view, the main problem with it is that when people think of it, the first thing they think of traffic is the traffic jam. Yeah. And if we can yeah. get rid of that perception by addressing people's concerns and... I suppose by communicating as well, like signage, etc., then hopefully, you know, I, I just think it can only be a positive thing for the area. OK, how's the new council? How's it, is it all? Everybody's embedded down. Has everybody settled in? Yeah, it's been interesting. Um, yeah. It was uh, your first election, of course, even though you had been a councillor, but it was yeah. your first election. I was co-opted in place of the late Dan Joe Fitzgerald yeah. uh, two years ago, and it was my first time in my own right. Um, yeah, it just... How is it? It's interesting. There's a lot of new councillors there, actually, and, and full council level. There are there's one council from three different parties. There's one councillor, 19 years of age, one 20 and one 21. Yeah, so the 19 year old is an independent, the 20 year old is Fine Gael and 21 year old is Fianna Fáil. It's, do you know, it's, it's fantastic to have those new blood. Yeah. When I was like the outgoing councillor, I was the third youngest. Yeah, I'm I just going to say, yeah, you're a, not a, one of the old ones. No, but <laughs> as, as a 30 year old, to be the third youngest, it's yeah. not a badge of honour. Yeah, do you know? yeah, that's true. So that's true. Yeah. It's, it's great to see so young. Yeah, it is. It is great. It, it bodes well for the future. OK, we'll talk again, Grode, in the meantime. Thank you for that. Thanks and thank you uh, for joining us in studio. That is uh, Mallow-based Councillor Gorod Murphy. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. And just some reaction on Deirdre who joined us about finding the rings uh, in her safety deposit box in Gran Canaria at the start of the month. Marion Cantor said her uncle bought a house and some years later his wife found a wedding ring, an engagement ring and a brooch. They found it somewhere in the bathroom in the house. They tracked down the previous owners of the house who thought the rings and the brooch had been lost. They were delighted to get them back. Well done, Mary. While Magella in Formoy said her daughter left her gold rings in a hotel in Limerick. She phoned the hotel, but the staff said they couldn't find them. She says that Deirdre is to be commended for her honesty. Yeah, that's one of the reasons we decided to ask Deirdre onto the programme. I thought it was such an honest thing. She could just have grabbed the rings and gone home and said nothing. But she's going to great lengths to try to find out the owner and and hopefully we will be able to reunite the rings uh, with the rightful uh, owner. Now the average cost of running a family car for a year is €10,593.26 which is a decrease of approximately €100. If you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do 
not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Compared to last year, that's according to the AA's annual survey of motoring costs. Joining me from the AA is Barry Oldworth. Good morning to you, Barry. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and, you, and you're welcome. Now, what's the explanation for the decrease? Is it fuel costs or is it insurance costs? Uh, so it's a little bit of both. And, uh, you know, first we do have to acknowledge it's a very minor decrease. I think by and large, when you weigh it up over the course of a year, people won't really notice it in their pockets. But it is a case of there's a little bit of good news. So as part of this report, we take into account everything from your motor tax, your insurance, the cost of the car, depreciation, everything over the lifetime of that car. And, well, the CSO's reports, the CSO regularly tracks motor insurance prices as part of their consumer price index. And what they have found is that within the past 12 months, insurance premiums are down on average seven, a little under 7%. Now, that's good news, but unfortunately, there's a lot of people not feeling that decrease. Yes, it is only an average, and it is an average drop of 7% that needs to be placed within a broader context of significant increases that were seen in previous years. So it's a little bit of a good news for motorists, but you know, at the end of the day, it's a hundred euro stretched across a year. I don't think anyone's going to be celebrating too wildly. Yeah, and it's young drivers. Then they don't seem to be getting a break at all. Barry, have you any advice for young drivers trying to get insurance? Yes, yeah, so there's a couple of things you can do as a young driver. Unfortunately, it's one of those things where it's it's just part of the driving process. Driving is always something that is more expensive at the start, and hopefully, as you become more experienced, the cost decrease. Some of the things you can look at, if you are you know, in a position where you can add another driver to the policy, so for example, you can add a parent if they're using the car as well, or a sibling if they're using the car as well, it's, it's something that people often kind of fail to understand or don't realise that adding another driver, provided they're an experienced one to the policy, can help reduce the cost, but you do need to be honest with the insurer about who the actual main driver of the car is. Don't tell the insurer that, look, my mom or my dad are actually the main user of the car. 
if you are the one primarily using it. But again, it's a case of, I think, unfortunately, you are going to face higher costs up front. It's something that that's always been the case with driving, but it is a case that really, the fact, the, well, the fact that young drivers and returning immigrants as well are facing quite significant insurance costs still just highlights that, you know, this is far from a battle won. We can talk about an average drop of a little under 7%, but there's a lot of people not feeling that yet. How, how many years driving do you need to be for young drivers before they'll start to see a noticeable decrease in their premiums? So I, I wouldn't be able to put a number on it. It's going to vary based on a variety of factors, everything down to the location the car is kept in, the, the type of car itself. So I wouldn't be able to put a number on okay. how many years in you're going to start to see a decrease. But in general, as you get more experience, the price will start to drop. It's something to be mindful of as well, I suppose, when you are looking to get on the road in the first instance. can be a good idea when you're going through that process of buying a car just to get some sample quotes for any car that you are looking at so you can get an idea of what the insurance price will be for it. Because again, typically the larger the engine, the more you're going to pay on insurance. So if you're in a position where you can get something a little smaller, maybe a little less little less flat, yeah. it will hopefully be more convenient and more affordable for you. Okay, you've mentioned the immigrants uh, returning home. Uh, they're really finding it hard, aren't they, when it comes to getting... Uh, motor insurance absolutely and it's it's an ongoing issue and it's something that again i think government started to make some progress in this area as part of their own cost of insurance working group and da we were working with them on that to come up with recommendations the problem really and it's it's still dragging on is just in terms of recognizing no claims driver experience earned abroad too often people come home from driving in countries like the us australia the UK, and they're simply finding insurers not recognising the experience that they developed abroad, and there's there's no reason for that. So it is a case of, and some progress has been made in this, but there's a lot more to be done around getting insurers to recognise that experience abroad, streamline the process for someone who lived abroad so that they can provide you know, proof of no claims bonus from where from whatever country they were living and driving yeah. in previously. So again, comes back to where we start or where we find ourselves in general when we talk about the insurance crisis. More, some progress made, but a lot more to be done. Yeah, like I interviewed a man who was back from the the states. He like he said he was twenty years driving around Manhattan, and he said never had an accident, had a full license. And he just could not believe when he came back to this country the way he was being, being treated. Are they almost treated like they're learner drivers all over again or are they starting out all over again? Is, is that the way they're, they're viewed by insurance companies? To some extent, yes. And again, it comes back to kind of that poor structure that's in place really around recognising experience abroad. So generally what people who are returning from abroad find is that the first year or the first two years that they're driving in Ireland again, they face quite high premiums. Then once they start to kind of get that experience on Irish roads, they're then viewed as an experienced driver and the premiums start to drop off. But it is a case of the first year still remains a hurdle and that's why we really need to accelerate the process in terms of improving recognition of no claims experience earned abroad. We've been talking, uh, Barry, about insurance reform, I think since, what, 2015? It's simply enough not being done. I think that's a, probably a kind summary of it, to be honest. I think what we've seen is a couple of things 
at play here. First and foremost, this goes back to 2015, and in the intervening years, a lot of good recommendations and good quality plans were put in place, but there wasn't really, well, there hasn't to date been enough of a will to follow through on them, and there's a couple of people at fault there. The industry itself is finds itself in a position where quite often underwriters will decide, well, we don't need to be better than we are, we don't need to be cheaper than we are, as long as we can correctly price for the risk profile. So there's not really an impetus on underwriters to get better at kind of what they're charging for people. And then on the government's end, I think what we've just seen is, if you went back to 2015, 2016, insurance was a red button issue but unfortunately it's been overtaken by things like housing children's hospitals brexit mm. now we're starting to see it get a bit more political interest again lately which i think is a good thing and hopefully a sign that there's more appetite in leinster house and within the industry itself to do something about this because certainly we're not we're nowhere near the finish line yet Okay, listen, we leave it there, Barry. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. Uh, Good morning to you. That is uh, Barry Aldworth, who joins us from the uh, AA on the cost of running the family car. Slight decrease, as long as you're not a returning immigrant or you're not a young driver. 1850-333-103. Bernie's taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Um, now, though, we've got a lot of commentary, by the way, coming in on Louise, the lady who contacted us yesterday, who was very upset about the guy who was driving her bin truck and he got out of the bin truck in her housing estate and he urinated up against the wheel of the truck in broad daylight, right in the middle of a housing estate. And she was making the point, you know, well, she clearly saw him. Children could have been around and that... She, you know, she complained. She, I mean, she didn't just ring the radio station. She did get on to the company who said that they'd have a word uh, with the person, but she just thought it was over the top and that he shouldn't have done it. And she actually went so far as to say, could it be indecent exposure? Now, a number of people have been on talking about that case. Jay says, Patricia, the lady that complained about the truck driver should have asked herself, maybe that chap had a urinary tract infection and he had no choice but to work to pay the bills. People are very fast to judge says uh, Jay. We need to stop and ask why did he need to go to the loo up against the side of the truck. Uh, Sheila says, Patricia, I think Louise should have looked away somewhere else. If it was she who was bursting to go to the toilet and she ended up finding herself in a similar position that there wasn't a toilet around. I often went to the back of my own car. Sure, everybody has to go to the toilet when you need to go to the toilet. With all of the pubs closed down now in every village, and town. There's nowhere for you to go. We don't have enough public loose. Do you remember the Debs lads a few years ago who watered the flowers at Enniskeen? Says uh, Sheila. God, I I don't. And it was probably one of those issues that we covered here. Was it on the programme where there was a group of of Debs lads who got uh, short taken and had to water the flowers uh, instead? But it is going back to a number of people saying that we don't have enough public toilets. Now, I don't know in this particular case with this gentleman, if it was the lack of public toilets. He was at work, obviously. Uh, He was about his day's work doing his business and he needed to go to the toilet. And obviously, if you're driving a bin truck, you don't have 
a toilet inside in the bin truck. So he didn't, he felt he didn't have any other choice. There's a kind of a split down the middle with people saying she shouldn't have reported him. Some people are going so far as to say she shouldn't have reported it. He could have had a medical condition. Maybe that was why he needed to go to the toilet in such a hurry. But another lady contacted us from the North Cork area to say she was in Mallow at the primary health care centre last Friday evening and she went to go into, there's a chemist there, she went to go into the chemist and she said an elderly man was standing outside the healthcare centre waiting to get a taxi and he was waiting outside and as he was waiting he just urinated up against the wall outside the chemist. Now she said he could easily have gone back inside, the healthcare facility was still open. There are toilets in there. He could have gone back and used the loo. And she felt it was very unhygienic, particularly seeing that it was a doctor's practice. It's a health centre. And she was quite taken aback by that, that people just seem to think they can pee wherever they want to pee. And she agrees 100% with Louise. Uh, And someone else is making the same point. Louise was right, was very right to make the complaint. I was in a car, in my car, waiting at a traffic lights in Mallow and a very inebriated man, this was just last night, decided he needed to go to the toilet and there he just stood and peed in against the fence. Everybody sitting in the cars could clearly see him. I was just thinking if there was children, surely that's exposing himself. But that man was intoxicated. I don't know if you take that slightly different uh, or not. And there was another point, but I can't see it. Somebody else who has contacted, I think it might have come in by WhatsApp, who was making the point about medical conditions and somebody who has a medical condition whereby they only have one kidney. And when you have one kidney, when you need to go to the toilet... You need to go to the toilet and it can be very painful if you don't go to the toilet and that, you know, we need to stop and think before anyone decides to criticise this man. There could have been some kind of a medical condition going on. We don't know that. But, you know, as she did complain, Louise did get on to the company who said that they were going to have a word with the man. So I would take it that if he had a medical condition, because obviously they knew exactly what driver she was talking about, that if he had a medical condition, would that have been, would they have said that to, well, we're sorry about that now, but that gentleman has a medical condition and needs to go to the toilet. I don't know. Would they, I don't know if they would have disclosed that information uh, or not. 1850-333-103. We're going to head towards news at, at 12 midday. Joe Heffernan will join us in the next hour. And we're talking about depression in young women in particular. It's come out in a survey that Irish women are the most depressed of all young women across Europe. And we're also going to be remembering 50 years ago today. What happened 50 years ago today was the first man in the moon. Now, a number of your comments uh, coming into the programme. We were discussing the cost of running a family car. It's over €10,000 to run a family car for a year. And one of the reasons, well, one of the reasons it went down slightly, it went down by just under €100, not a lot. One of the reasons was it was a combination of petrol prices coming down over the last year and also insurance costs coming down for some but not for all. John in Mallow says he's been driving all of his life 
never had a claim, never been involved in an accident and his insurance went up by €300 Euro this year for his uh, truck. That seems ludicrous because we were talking about the high cost of insurance for young drivers and that all they could do was just kind of having to suck it up and that eventually the cost of their insurance would come down when they gain experience. But there's John in Mallow with lots and lots of experience and paying an additional €300. Euro. And I'm assuming you shopped around, John, and didn't accept the first quote that came into you. And then on petrol prices, Paul in West Cork says last week in Clonakilty, you could get petrol for one euro, 137.9 euro. That was for petrol a litre. And in Kilgarvan, it was 148.9. He said that's 11 cent in the difference in garages justified because they say it's the price they buy it at etc 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 but yeah it's a huge huge difference I see I noticed at the weekend as well when I, when I was travelling around and I was the, the I was like driving Miss Daisy I, was, I wasn't driving so I was able to monitor petrol prices it's something I always try and do it's, it's incredible the difference in prices you can be in one town and drive from one side of the town to another side of the town and there could be a difference of 2, 3, 4 cent but 11 cent of a difference between Clonakilty and Kilgarvan. That's a, that's a huge amount if you're getting a full tank of uh, petrol. Thank you for your observations, Paul. 1850-333-103. John in Canturk. This is on the plaza. And what's happening with the plaza in Mallow and the traffic delays that it's causing. John wants to know, has anybody seen anybody sitting out in the plaza and enjoying themselves. And if anybody does decide to do that, says uh, John, they'll end up in, in just sitting inhaling car fumes. There's plenty of spaces further up the town where the plaza could have been situated. They put it in the wrong area. I have seen people, particularly on a sunny day, I've seen people sitting there. haven't seen a lot of people sitting there. I mean, if you go to other towns where there's plazas, particularly overseas, you know, the town plaza is usually the town square, uh, in in other European countries, it's very popular, and, and I'm assuming that the original the Mallow Town Council that was their thought pattern in building it that it would be a focal, you know, a centre of the town almost where people would sit and chill out and relax and you know sip coffees and watch the world go by. But John in Kenturk is right. If you're sitting there for very long, particularly with the amount of traffic that now comes through the town of Mallow, that's all you will be doing is inhaling car fumes. So I don't know if I've ever seen anybody say how to having a picnic there or sitting for very long periods of time but I have on a sunny day seen people say resting with their shopping more than anything else and I've seen young people it seems to be a place where young people uh, congregate uh, as well 1850 on traffic in Mallow Mike says hi the problem lies with the right turn at the bridge make the traffic go up Ballydeheen take away the structure at the Mallow print it impedes car going down Muddy Hill and then widen the dog's head and have a turn up for Muddy Hill says Mike who's got lots of suggestions. I don't know if you've been speaking to any of the councillors because that's what Councillor Gorold Murphy was telling us. They're listening to people so anyone who does have suggestions I'd be saying particularly now when it seems to be on the agenda for Cork County Council if you have any suggestions to make I would be making it to your local councillor and who knows if you've got a good enough suggestion they may take it on board. Jerry from Cove says this is there are road works at the bridge going into Cove. They have put traffic lights on the bridge. The works are to the left 
so they leave traffic turned to the right. There is no need to stop all of the traffic. Cars, because of it, are backed up beyond Carrigtool. Jerry yesterday was stuck there for over an hour. He says it is crazy who puts these traffic management plans together when works have to be done. Very, very annoyed indeed. Back to the cleaning of the tiles. Ed in Dumanway says, Patricia, tell that lady who contacted you about the cleaning of the tiles to use Barry Scott. Bang and the dirt is gone. <laughs> Do I take it, Ed in Dumanway, you've used Barry Scott. Bang and the dirt is gone on new tiles and it worked for you. Thank you for your uh, tip on antisocial behaviour that we discussed earlier. Patricia, I'm not surprised hearing about this antisocial behaviour. The youth of today know that no one is going to inflict any punishment or discipline on them. The parents have absolutely no control. Maybe national service should become compulsory. There's nothing available to instil fear in young people if they're caught doing anything wrong or causing antisocial behaviour. The punishment should be a stint in national service once they've completed their schooling. And that'll put manners on them if they knew that if they got stepped out of line while under the age of 18 they'd be, they'd be allowed to complete their education do their leaving cert and as soon as they're finished they'd have to do a year or two in the army would that work 1850 and somebody else was asking us about uh, Keith Byrne the man from Formoy who's currently incarcerated in the States awaiting deportation. Is there any update on that story? I don't know if you were were with us yesterday. I spoke, I'm so sorry for his dad, uh, Jim Byrne from Formoy. spoke with him yesterday. It's just an awful situation for the family uh, to be in. And, and I see that uh, Neve Lynch in the Independent today obviously also had a chat with uh, Jim like I did yesterday. And Keith's family including his dad, Jim, and other members of the family, they feel that, and as he's facing deportation, that it's almost like they're trying to make an example out of Keith. And, you know, I had that feeling when I was reading up more on this story. We know that there is, thanks to Donald Trump, there is a, a big crackdown by US Immigration and Customs Enforcement on illegal uh, immigrants. But it's almost like... Keith has been made an example for the other certainly for the other Irish the feeling now according to his dad Jim is that he's, that he's going to come home but his wife Karen they've got two, he's got two children Leona is six and Gabriel is four and there's also Ezra who is his stepchild it's he's uh, 13 they're all devastated I mean the plan when I spoke to Jim yesterday if Keith gets deported and you know it's looking every day more like he is going to be deported the plan is he's going to come over here and then fight to go back that the wife and the children will remain Jim explained yesterday that Karen is working and she's paying the mortgage they've just bought their dream home so they don't want to like if she leaves they lose the house and everything else so she's going to try and stay on and try and pay the mortgage and you know keep the wolf from the door. I mean, it's going to be difficult for her because obviously they've they've been using both wage packets to keep their life going and he runs his own company. I mean, are people going to be out of work because of Keith being uh, deported? But at the moment, it's still very much the same. He's still being detained. What ICE, they're the the group who, under which he was arrested, they, they are the they say, they confirmed that he was arrested on July the 10th for immigration violations. He is in the custody of ICE pending removal. That's the phrase they use for 
deportation. He's currently being held in Pike County Correctional Facility in North East Pennsylvania. Now, a spokesperson for the Department of Foreign Affairs said they are providing all possible consular assistance as is uh, appropriate. And there are various uh, and other or other different TDs and senators all trying to work on the case. But this really is an example of why we need action on our undocumented living in the US. I saw one person saying that, you know, the his arrest because the story has really blown up and is getting a lot of publicity in the States. It's now leaving the Irish, the other illegal Irish immigrants all looking over at their shoulder. And as his dad, Jim, explained to us yesterday, he has been trying to correct his status. He has been trying to get his green card, but it seems what is two minor marijuana possession charges, misdemeanours that happened back in his early 20s. That seems to be going against him, even though he said, you know, look, I got caught with a joint. It was a mistake. He's never been in any trouble in the 12 years he's been in the States. But it does look like that is coming against him. And in Cork City, when she heard Jim, his dad, talking yesterday and heard what was going on with Keith and the fact that he got caught with this joint in his younger days, saying, isn't this a lesson for the Leaving Cert students who are heading off to Magaluf? A conviction can come back to haunt you years later, something that happens in your youth and you look back and cringe and think, oh my God, why did I ever do that? But little do you think that it can't come back to haunt you. And Joe in Mitchellstown said, every single year we have the Taoiseachs of this country heading over to the US on St. Patrick's Day and they hand over the bowl of shamrock and they talk, talk wonderfully to whoever is the President of the United States and they always talk about the undocumented. But what's the point? Nothing ever seems to happen and we just seem to have more and more undocumented and this it's the one thing Keith's story is very much highlighting the other undocumented. There is a GoFundMe page as well that's been set up and I, I, I took a look at it yesterday. Certainly there's a lot of people in the States paying into the GoFundMe page and when I asked Jim about that yesterday, his dad, what their what the GoFundMe page, what they think it's going to have to be used for is if if he gets deported and then he's going to try and fight fight the system from over here. That's going to be costly. So obviously that's what they're hoping that the any money's raised through the GoFundMe page. But that's the we've no more update on that other than other than what we heard from Jim uh, yesterday. We'll keep a close eye on this uh, story. 1850-333-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Irish Blood Transfusion Service, they've got a donor clinic in St. Joseph's Daycare Centre in Rathmore today between 5pm and 8.30. A monster bingo in aid of little Zach Higgin Huggins recovery fund will be held in the Park Hotel in Dunmanway. That's this evening at half past eight. And as part of the fundraising drive for the refurbishment of Castletown Roach and Ballyhooley churches, a scrap metal collection will be held today and tomorrow. Scrap can be left at Andy Shinnock's farm in Ballyhooley or Colm O'Connor's yard in Ballyhooley between now, well, 10am this morning and tomorrow morning and 8pm on both days. Fremont Summer Cultist Sessions will be held in Fremont Heritage Centre every Wednesday for the month of July and August. Starts at half past eight. Special guest tomorrow night is Francis Curtin Kennedy. 
And Billy O'Connell's CD in aid of the Make-A-Wish Foundation is now on sale locally in Mallow, in Lyons' and Max Sweeney's Shoe Shops, Lucy and Sheehan's Butchers, Phillips Bookshop and Dano's Centra in Spa Glen. It's priced at €10 Euro and all proceeds are going to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And the Mizzen Looper, which is an annual charity cycle in aid of the West Cork Down Syndrome Support Group, is on on Saturday the 29th of July. Begins and ends in League. There are two routes available this year, 80km cycle and 130km cycle. More information and registration is available on mizzenlooper.com. For today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Tonight, Ireland uh, will experience a partial lunar eclipse. And it couldn't happen at a better time because today is the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. To chat about tonight's event, I'm joined by David Moore, who is founder of Astronomy Ireland. Good afternoon to you, David. Good afternoon. Uh, now, this is a, as I mentioned, this is a partial eclipse as opposed to a total eclipse of the moon. So just explain the difference and what we can expect to see tonight in the night sky. Well, the eclipse is caused simply by the Earth passing between the moon and the sun. And so the Earth's shadow falls onto the moon. Uh, or you can think of the moon going through the Earth's shadow. And normally it will go through the middle of the Earth's shadow and be totally eclipsed, but sometimes it just skims the top or the bottom. And this time about two-thirds of the moon will be inside the Earth's shadow at the deepest eclipse, which is around 10.30 p.m. Uh, but you'll actually see the eclipse happening as the moon is rising just before 10, and it will go on to move totally out of the Earth's shadow just before midnight, 11.59 p.m. So you've got at least two hours before 10 to midnight to see the eclipse. So even the few clouds around, keep checking the sky every five minutes. <laughs> it's a slow-moving affair that you, just a glimpse will do you. Is there a particular part of the country where you'll get the best view or a better view? Well, it's happening low down. So wherever you are, you need to try and find somewhere with a clear horizon opposite the sun in the sky. So if you know where the sun sets from where you are, stand with your back towards the sun and straight ahead of you. That's where the moon is going to rise. Roughly in the southeast. So if you could look out over the sea or get up on a hill or you're in a large field or park, that would be ideal, as long as there aren't any clouds on the horizon. Now, we don't all have telescopes, unfortunately. Binoculars, good idea? Yeah, but the naked eye will do. Okay. The moon, you can see detail on the moon with your eyes on a normal full moon. I was looking at it the other night. And with, a, with the eclipse covering two-thirds of the moon, you'll see the the shadow of the Earth on the Moon, you'll see that the edge of the Earth shadow is round, proving the Earth is round, if anyone was in any doubt. <laughs> <laughs> but if you have a pair of binoculars, you will get a better view. Yeah. You, get up, up, you can begin to see the craters on the Moon with a, with a good pair of binoculars. You don't need to spend much on binoculars these days. 20 quid will usually do it. You can spend a lot more, but they start, good ones start around 20 euros. And you'd like people to send reports to you at Astronomy Ireland. What are you looking for there? Uh, Absolutely. Just written reports will do. If you take a picture on your smartphone, send us your best results. If you're an expert photographer, you'll know what to do. And we'll put them into Astronomy Island magazine, which goes into the National Library, and we'll record this eclipse for all time. And in fact, we won't get another eclipse of the moon for over two years. And it won't be as good as this eclipse. Less than half the moon will go into the eclipse then. And there won't be, in fact, a really good total eclipse until the end of the next decade. So you have a long time to wait to make the best of this particular eclipse. Get involved with astronomy on. Tell us what you see. And there's a big event for the 
Apollo Moonwatch coming up next month in the Wicklow Mountains that everyone should try and come along to. And the magazine, the event, everything, it's all on our website, astronomy.ie, if people want to check that out. And David, is it particularly exciting that it's happening tonight on the 50th anniversary of the moon landing? Yes, it's almost like the cosmos knows. Ah. (laughs) The the Apollo 11 mission blasted off from the Earth this day 50 years ago. took them four days to actually get to the moon and land on the 20th of July. And then they stepped out our time on the 21st, the wee hours of what will be Sunday morning this year. Uh, And so this is a great way to kick off the celebrations of the 50th anniversary. It's obviously the front cover story on our magazine. The Eclipse gets second billing. Mm. <laughs> Normally, the Eclipse will be front page. Um, but it's a very special day because, of course, Neil Armstrong was Irish. He told me that himself. Now, I don't, I, don't, yeah, that. I, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but you have it straight from the horse's mouth. He, he was doing an interview. Absolutely, yeah. We, he, he did a world tour after they came back from the moon. Okay. And then he sort of, some people say shunned, but I think publicity. I think he just wanted to have a normal life, as if you could have a normal life after becoming what's probably the most famous person in history. He'll be remembered for millennia as the first person to set foot on another world. But he tried. He eventually remarried at the end of the last century, and his new wife convinced him to go back on the public circuit, and he was starting to do public appearances. We met him when he came to Dublin in 2003. He was quite nervous being interviewed, I could see his hand shaking yeah. without a new thought. This is a man that flew missions in the Korean War to the US Air Force and landed on the moon and did a world tour. And yet he's scared of a little journalist interviewing him. How does that work? But he, he settled down when we asked him in particular about uh, the name Armstrong. Is there any Irish ancestry there? Thinking there wasn't because we didn't know back then that Barack Obama was Irish and we didn't know that mm-hmm. Tom Cruise was Irish. But in fact, he lit up at that stage and said, yes, they had just traced the family history and his family came from Fermanagh. And then he laughed when he said, apparently they were known for stealing cattle. <laughs> and then <laughs> a cattle thief and then one of his direct descendants ends up, ends up on the moon. They were, yeah. um, David, very brave men on, on this day 50 years ago. They had no way of knowing if they were going to come back. Yes. And Nixon was the president at the time, and he made the famous phone call from the White House to the, the astronaut standing on the moon. And he had had a script prepared for what would happen if they weren't going to make it back. So somebody had actually written that speech just in case. Fortunately, he didn't have to use it. But it was life or death. Uh, you know, space is going to explode in this coming century. The world's richest man is a big space company. Uh, Jeff Bezos of Amazon.com, another guys worth about $20 billion, not quite as much as Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, with his, who set up PayPal, now runs the Tesla Motor Car Company, but he's got a space business as well. They're both launching billions of dollars worth of satellites for NASA and the like, and they have said jointly that they are going to put one million people on Mars by the end of this century. So any kids listening in, there's going to be great jobs for astronauts in the future. There'll be ten a penny like pilots are today. And you know, there's a million people in the sky at the moment flying in aircraft. Yeah. The aviation industry has really taken off. Space is next. So we urge people to get involved in space. So there's got, not going to be any holding us back uh, as we go forward. Would that be a dream of yours to have gone to space? I actually applied to be an astronaut. Did you? <laughs> Ireland's a member of the European Space Agency. There's a big story on the front cover of our 
Astronomy Island magazine for July that covers Apollo and the Atit. And it should be the front cover story, only these two huge stories dwarfed it. And that's that Ireland is doubling its stake in the European Space Agency. We have 6,000 jobs in this country supported by our membership of the European Space Agency. And it's going to be doubled because we get back four times or more uh, money than we put in in contracts from ESA. Space is nearly a trillion dollar a year business already, and that's going to grow. So it's great to see the powers that they have realized where the future lies. And, you know, it, it's not a, it's a dangerous profession at the moment. You're asking me about the, the fear of them not coming back. Nearly 5%, I think it is, of all the astronauts that have ever been have died uh, trying to get into or coming back from space. And there aren't many professions that can say that. But that's yeah. going to change. It's like the aviation industry. Uh, things When you figure out the, the best way of doing things, you won't need the right stuff anymore. And, you know, you're going to, if you're not an astronaut yourself, or you've never been to space by the end of this century, you'll know people who have. It's incredible. It's incredible. OK, so back to tonight. I know you're, you're giving a talk later on uh, in Dublin. Well, you're going to reveal if it wasn't for an eclipse, we'd be speaking Greek or Latin rather than English. Explain that, please. Yeah. Uh, but we love this in Astronomy Island. We're a group of members of the public, not scientists, who have a passion for space. We want everybody in the country to join Astronomy Island. You'll get the details on our website. And I love stories like this. But you find out that the Greek Empire fell as a result of an eclipse of the moon. It was because they were superstitious back then. They didn't know why the moon turned blood red. We, we do now. It's just the Earth's shadow. It's actually not that special. But that didn't stop them from losing the war. That it led to the fall of the Greek Empire. The, the Romans did the very similar thing because they were superstitious about eclipses. The Roman Empire fell as a result of an eclipse. And then even the Middle East problem can be traced back to an eclipse in 1917. And you may have seen the movie Lawrence of Arabia, what happened to the Arabs there and promises that were made that weren't kept. So they had a huge impact on human history in the past. I don't think it's going to happen again because we now know what's going on. But it's a great story, and I'll tell that at a talk this evening. There'll also be a talk about Apollo as well, to make a big event of it to kick off the celebrations for the moon landing. But we're holding our big moon landing event in August, our annual star party in the Wicklow Mountains called Starbecue. People come from all over the 32 counties, some even from the U, from Britain, to look through giant telescopes at the wonders of the universe, galaxies and star clusters like that, a barbecue, there's lots of talks, and special one about Apollo, one about the universe, lots of exhibitors as well. It's something you should definitely come to once in your life. It's pretty unique to Ireland to have an event like this. And most people never look through a giant telescope and see galaxies and star clusters. They'll only ever see them on screens or in magazines and books. And it just isn't the same. Yeah, it's a great opportunity. And just finally, Dean Goleen says, please could you ask, uh, is the Skyview app accurate? There, there are lots of them around these days, so I'm not sure which one they're using. Okay. Uh, um, but most of them are. And, you know, the great thing is, if you hold it up tonight uh, and you see the moon where it's supposed to be when you point your phone at the moon, then you know it's accurate. And just to the right of the moon will be the planet Saturn. There's a diagram in Astronomy on Magazine showing what it looks like to the naked eye. And just to the right of that, in fact, high in the south, as soon as it gets dark, there's a very brilliant star, in quotes. It's actually the planet Jupiter. So if it shows that as well, then you know it's accurate. So that's the one way you can test out you can your test. Accuracy. All right. Okay, listen, enjoy this evening, uh, David. And uh, thank you for joining us on the programme today.
My pleasure. Anytime at all. Good afternoon to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, David Moore, who is a founder of Astronomy Island on the 50th anniversary of the the lunar, uh, the the moon landing and also the night that we've got a partial uh, lunar eclipse. 18.50, that's from half 10 tonight. 18.50, 333, 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 And Joe Heffernan uh, joins uh, me as he does every Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. Uh, and you're welcome. And today we are looking at a piece, actually, that I have to say caught my eye when I saw it in the papers earlier on this month. This was a study that has come out that shows young women in Ireland have the highest levels of depression in Europe. That's worrying, isn't it, to see a headline like that? It's a startling headline. It was on the front page. I think it was the Irish Independent on Friday the 5th of July. Um, it, it, it certainly would um, get your attention when you'd see those stark, um, uh, heavy-type statement um, yeah, and it's, it's it's young girls rather than young, more young girls than more young men. They, there was a big gender gap, and the the gender gap uh, was the highest in Ireland, Denmark, Germany, and Sweden. Seventeen percent of women in this age group in Ireland, for example, reported being moderately or severely depressed, compared to an EU average of nine percent. That's a big difference. Absolutely, that I mean, when you, it's did just they, about double. Did they look at reasons for it? it the the report now, uh, as I read it, like um, uh, the the main thing um, that they homed in on um, uh, was homelessness. Um, now, I suppose I I don't know the statistics. I don't know how we compare with uh, Denmark, Germany and Sweden um, as far as homelessness is concerned. Um, I, I, I gather that we're not alone as a country in having a homelessness uh, problem. But, but it's a, a relatively, it's a new problem in this country for families yeah. to be homeless. Yeah. That's something we haven't seen in the past. I mean, what's the figure? There's 10,000 homeless of which 4,000 are children. And, yeah. I, and I certainly know whenever... I've spoken with families who are highlighting their own particular cases. The, if there's teenage children involved, it's always people saying, I can't speak on air because if my daughter, my daughter's so embarrassed about living out of a hotel room, nobody in school knows, she doesn't want anybody to know. And that's huge pressure, isn't it? Mm. I mean, that's going around as a twelve, um, hiding who you are every day. And um, that. Oh, sure, you can imagine what it would do to uh, one's self-esteem, feelings, uh, thought process. Oh, it would be be really, really, really bad. So that, um, uh, you know, it's understandable, um, but startling, um, the the numbers. And then on the homelessness um uh, situation in Ireland um another amazing statistic uh, 33% of those who are homeless are children mm. no that's that's one third of all homeless um 
and you know it is um it is uh, not alone a crisis but i mean it's an emergency situation really um uh, there's an awful lot of talk about it but what's getting done i suppose people are doing their best um but uh, well it's it's like these children are almost the collateral damage you wonder in years to come will we look back and say you know that's what happens to a generation of of children because of battling with this homelessness problem that's not of their making. Absolutely. Mm. And I mean, um, the the services aren't there. Um, apparently, there are, no, these figures seem to be very exact, uh, 2,738 children waiting for mental health treatment. That would be CAMS now and that. Uh, the number waiting for over a year jumped to 336 children up from 296 in February. Just imagine it, in a, in a month or two. Um, so that waiting list uh, is just getting uh, longer yeah, and uh, yeah. and longer. Yeah. And uh, CAMS here in Cork and Kerry is what CAMS, for, it's, it's the one area, isn't it, for CAMS? Yeah, and, and um, uh, it's the worst impacted service, uh, Cork and Kerry. Wow. Uh, 274 of the young people waiting over one year um, to be seen are in the Cork and Kerry region. That must be for parents who realise that their son or daughter has battling mental health issues and needs treatment to be told you're on a waiting list. So you're at home with that teenage son or daughter watching them going through this dreadful period in, in their life. Imagine it for all God, it must year. be dreadful. Dreadful. I mean, when you'd want to see someone would be sort of next week Mm. Um, not next year. Um, uh, it's it's unbelievable, but I I think it's um, uh, simply a fact that uh, I I don't know now have I the um, the the figures for it, but um, uh, the number of psychologists who are needed in the ch- in the in CAMS, um, there's only thirty eight percent of the recommended figure. In in yeah, in, there, in, there, in other there, words, like there is a huge problem trying to fill those posts. Yeah, 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 and that's an ongoing issue uh, with cams. And then for young people who are, you know, suffering from depression, battling mental health issues, that gives rise then to all kinds of, like self harming and. Well, according to the report, and the reason that young women were, uh, um, there were, the number was so much higher than young men, was that um, what had stated from its findings was that young women are more likely to handle upsetting events internally. In other words, they're not talking about what's going on with them and how they're feeling. And this then gives rise, if if they're sort of trying to cope on their own, um, to self-harm, um, eating disorders like anorexia or bulimia. So, um, the, the uh, and we're 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 hearing and seeing uh, more of this by the by the week, really. Um, I, I've spoken with a few uh, young people um, in in very recent times, um, many many down through the years. But um, yeah, um, the the same sort of things come up: um, feelings of abandonment by friends. Um, anxiety over school, over exams, um, 
uh, social media? Will we ever? Yeah, so, somebody's just sent in a text saying, mm-hmm. I think social media has a lot to answer for. False expectations and needing approval from their peers all of the time. Absolutely. Yeah, social Absolutely. media is, and again, and it's a new one the previous generations didn't have to deal with. No, things were a bit simpler. And, um, you know, we met our friends. We actually met them. And, um, you know, we went down by the river bank and we went through the woods and we did those kind of things. It was very real. Whereas now it's a kind of a virtual world to a, to a great degree. And... Um, and we know the bullying that can go on online and, yeah. through, and through social media, and that's having a devastating effect. Absolutely. On, on, on a person's and, and mental compa- health. And comparing, because um, uh, apparently um, the presentation on Facebook is always of the wonderful life, yeah, yeah. the great life, the, the photos, the, the content. It's all so wonderful. And another young person then reading this is thinking, oh, my God, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not living at all. Um, and so then school and the whole, I mean, we've just had the end of the Leaving Cert exams awaiting now on, on the results and the pressure to get the points to go on to third level. Yeah. That's not helping. No, it's not. No, it's not. I mean, I, I was speaking with a young man now recently who would have said to me that his greatest fear was that he wouldn't um, make the points to do what he wants to do. Um, you know. Uh, even, so to we, ver- even to verbalise those words, his greatest fear as, yeah. as an 18-year-old. Yeah, yeah. And, and those were the very, very words he used. My greatest fear is that I won't get the points in my leaving search to um to do to you know to get in the door of the course that that uh, that he that I want to do and um yeah yeah and then again I suppose like local news world news every time we turn on the telly or the radio it's Brexit it's um uh, it's uh, it's depressing it's negative um. From Iran to America to home, uh, you were talking earlier there um, about um, the chap from Formoy, um the thing to do with the... Um, Keith, Keith Byrne. Who's yeah, under yeah, they can be being... very inflexible. Um, when Ken was in America, the minute they heard that they could get into Sloan Kettering um, for um, treatment, they dashed off on a on a on a what's it called the S S S P Esther the visa ninety yeah. days. Yeah. Now it turned out that that was totally and utterly inflexible. Yeah. So we went down to Fifth Avenue and I spoke to the the consul people there, and they said there is no way of getting an extension for an Esther. And actually, the recommendation at the time was he needs his treatment, let him stay, and no one will come looking for him. Well, now they're coming looking. Um, but uh, how, did, how, how, how did I get into that? We're just talking about world, world news, that people are... All, all, all of that, uh, all, the all news. of that. And yeah, it's all, all worrying. Yeah, I mean, house I, prices we're hearing every day about... And rent. the news, you, you're right on the news, and my attention was only drawn to it uh, one day last week. I have a young... Um, 
19-year-old niece who's come to live with us for, for she's on a gap year, she's come to live with us for a year. And obviously I'm pretty obsessed with, I didn't realise how much news I watch. Part of what I do for the job, I suppose, yeah. keeping updated. So I'll go from one news bulletin into, you know, there'll be a half five news bulletin and then I'll switch over channels to a six o'clock news bulletin. So, like, you know, it could be an hour and a half of news. And she, she, she made the point one day going, God, the news is very depressing, isn't it? Because yeah. obviously she's now suddenly having to, being 19, she's not as much into current affairs as I am, but she's in the same room when the news is on. And she pointed it out to me, do we have to watch this all over again now on the next news bulletin? She was saying, it's very depressing, isn't it? And when I took a step back, I said, God, you know something, you're right. It was like, and we, she listed out four or five stories and all of them were just, were, could really draw you down. And if you're in a low place in your life, you could see how it would pull you down even further. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, uh, young people nowadays, I think, have it an awful lot tougher than than we had, than I had in, 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 in my young days. Now, an awful lot of things went wrong. Um, but I don't know, they were, they were sort of ordinary things in a way. Um, you didn't feel like that the whole system was putting up a wall here we go again with the walls, putting up a wall in front of you. Um, I mean, you know, the it was kind of understood in a way that, uh, you know, um, you got a job, you met someone, you eventually owned your own house. And, um, you know, that that was kind of the way it went. And maybe we all took it for granted in a way um, uh, back then. But that's all changed now. And... and um, you know, you you have this crazy situation where people are paying uh, more for rent than they would actually be paying on a mortgage oh, that, for the same that, that breaks my heart when when I hear couples talk about that and yeah. that they're just yeah. caught in that cycle and that and and that trap. Yeah. So, what's the advice with young people? Talk, keep talking, talk well, to the them. The big thing would be that young people need to be encouraged to talk. They really, really do. And then adults need to be encouraged to listen and to really listen. Um, sometimes they don't want um, uh, all the, you know, the, the quick answers because there aren't any. But it's, uh, it's a relief um, to, uh, for a young person to be just able to um, verbalize their feelings and their thoughts uh, to someone who will listen and encourage them to talk more so than, uh, you know, uh, trying to have all the answers. Um, uh, most but if it's, if it's full-blown depression and, and you really are worried that your child is depressed... That's, oh yeah, that's well, professional then, health. Then, oh is it? yeah, well, well, I mean, that's where we'll come to next week, where we will talk about um, uh, having having depression and and how to, you know, a few uh, tips, insights, um, suggestions about how a person could um, uh, manage the, the, their recovery. Uh, I, I mean, we're, we're talking a serious illness now. There are two ways of looking at it. Like one would be um, where all external factors seem to be okay. Um, that uh, you know that one couldn't see any great reason uh, why a person would be so down, and that would be uh, well. The the word used to be the um, 
endogenous depression. And then, of course, there's the reactive depression. I mean, talking about young people, supposing someone is a few points short of that famous points in the leaving set. Well, then they would be down, but um, that too would pass. Um, but um, major depression really affects how a person feels, how they think, and how they behave. And um, and we'll get into that in, in, we, in we more detail. Indeed. In more detail next week. I'm just seeing a couple of texts in there just to say people are thinking about you and thinking about Ken and to pass on uh, their very best wishes and we're wanting to be glad so to do much. that. That's okay, we'll Thank talk you. to you next week. All right, you mind yeah. yourself. God bless. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is Joe Heffernan. and his number is 0297 and he runs a counselling practice uh, in uh, Boherbui. Uh, just very quickly, a final text in on car insurance. Uh, my car insurance bill came in from Liberty. I've been with them for many years. There was an increase this year, so I shopped around as, as, the, as I do every year and I got a quote from AXA. 250 euro of a saving. That's a lot of saving. I did it all online. I'd recommend it. Uh, you can either do it online or you can call into their uh, office for 250. That's a lot of money to save. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced. We're back with you tomorrow at 10. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.